0: There's a new show out on uh, HBO, and I don't encourage anyone to watch this. I watched it for you, so uh, I'll give you the cliff notes. It's called 30 Coins. Um, it is about this secret, and I, I watched this. My wife, Amidus Churn, and I are watching this, and I'm going like, you know that Catholics wrote this, and someone that was behind this is one of us because... He is basically painting this picture of the inside of the Catholic Church of what you, Michael Hitchborn, and Mike Church think it looks like, which is a a, 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 a rather vagabond assortment of sexual deviants running around um, uh, plotting and scheming the uh, the the end of the, uh, the end of the human race and the enslavement of all of us to Baphomet, Bagul, and the boys. As a matter of fact, the plot is so interesting, Michael, that I I, I almost. Would would say Hitchburn ought to watch this just so he can write a, a piece about it. So let me just give you the cliff note. Sure. Judas dies right after receiving the thirty pieces. He, tr- he goes back. He tries to he tries to turn them in, and they won't take them. Right. Um. Uh, he goes and he hangs himself. Uh, from the tree, and before he hangs himself, he makes a basically, according to the, to these people, he makes a deal with the devil. Um, the, the devil's going to take him in because he's nosy. He, he knows he's damned, and he leaves the thirty pieces there. And the thirty pieces are then the first relics of the unholy church and the unholy gospel of Judas. Okay. That's the setup. And they're going mm-hmm. like, well, for nothing else, that's pretty original, fictionally speaking. This is better than anything Dan Brown ever conceived of, okay? Right. It's eminently, to me, more interesting and well thought out to me. So fast forward to the, okay, apparently the 30 pieces of silver have been spread all throughout the earth. Well, the, the secret church of Judas and the gospel of Judas which says that uh, basically that God... Um, that the real beef that the demons had with God was that they were granted the preternatural and the supernatural knowledge of what was of all that was going to happen and what really drove them to leave was that God was going to give man and Mary credit and Jesus credit but he wasn't going to give any credit to the angels <laughs> for, right. for the ark and that's what really uh, angered them okay so that's why the demons have sided with, the, with, with Judas and that's what the And supposedly, in 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 this Gospel of Judas, um, uh, Judas says this to someone before. uh, Supposedly, Judas, Jesus, and Pilate had already made the deal. For him to be given up, which is why I was like, well, why didn't he protest? Why didn't, well, they try to explain that by saying that, no, Jesus, our Lord was in on the deal because he wanted to set Pilate. He wanted to set uh, Judas up as this kind of anti, uh, anti-church. Um, and then there's supposedly there's the gospel of Judas uh, that was left behind. The 30 pieces get scattered around the earth. Now, they are the unholy relics. Now, what I, is
1: all of this from again?
0: This is from a, a, a book that came out. It's called 30 Coins. It's actually a Spanish book. I can't remember how you say 30 Coins in Spanish, but it was written in Spain. It's a Spanish book it's called 30 Coins. Now, the Church of Judas, then, after it gets formed, and it, build, it builds secret cathedrals and, and, and everything now. It's been in pursuit of all of the 30 Coins because it is said... That if you gather all the 30 coins together and put them on a pontiff's miter... That you will then uh, have uh, Satan will then uh, come to Earth And will help uh, you rule Will destroy the Catholic Church Which was always God's intention according to the, to the storyline And uh, will bring about the rise uh, And the rule of Antichrist if you will of, of Satan himself So the show is about the quest to get the last two coins And they get the last two coins and then jealousy sets in, and uh, as I said, someone that knows a little bit about the faith, because pride. As soon as soon as the, as the new church is supposed to be launched, and, and the Satan beast, the Leviathan comes up from the ground, uh, jealousy sets in, and the the first new bishops get jealous, and they go after the uh, you know the anti pope or whatever, and they kill him, and the coins get scattered again. Um, the, the 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 point of of, of this is. This is describing a cabal, basically, inside the Catholic Church that purports to actually be, because these guys that are running around collecting the coins, one of them's a cardinal. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm going like. So this is a novel? Yes, it's a novel. I'm going. No, this is a documentary. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm watching yeah. it, I'm going. Okay, I get the point. Most viewers aren't going to get this. Going to think, yeah, yeah, Satan and the boy. No, I get the point that they're making here. That's one thing the Holy Ghost is kind of allowed out into popular popular culture here. There's a film that just came up of the Irish Film Commission, uh, Elisha Cusper is in. It's called the C- the Cellar. It's a creepy setup. Uh, it, it, it doesn't finish well, so I, I'd probably give it two and a half Reagan's or something like that. But the story is, it is how this guy, who, uh, this physicist, and I'm going like, okay, dude, there, there's several physicists you could be talking about. How this physicist uh stumbled on the information that there's uh, these ancient uh, uh, sanskrits that you could make a deal with the devil and that you could bring back some you could bring back people from the uh, from uh, the the dead if you wanted to that you had lost and so he constructs basically this dimension traveling machine um uh, that uses certain language now it's interesting that the language ultimately translates and there's and there's this house where he constructs all this, to if you put the uh, the there's there's these uh, symbols above the doors, each door in the house. If you put all the symbols together, you get the word Leviathan. And I go like, okay, well that's from the Book of Job. That's the giant serpent. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, ultimately, guess who is used or guess who is summoned into this world to ensnare souls, primarily the souls of children, through social media. Baphomet. And I'm going like, okay, the people are, or they're, they're, they're savaging the the, the 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 film, it doesn't do this and that, and I'm like, well, Mrs. Church pointed out to me, she goes, do you think it's a coincidence that the parents were social media influence hirers and both of their children Fell into the into the trance of social media baphomet, and going like no. So you know there is the Holy Ghost is telling us through popular entertainment. Now again, I'm not recommending anyone to watch it. uh, Is telling us that these evil things are real and they are happening all around us. So when you say that you know that the heart is going to triumph, she's got a lot to triumph over. <laughs> so this triumph is going to be it's going to be unbelievable.
1: Mm hmm. You bring up Leviathan. There's a portion. I mean, obviously, Leviathan is mentioned in Job verse 40 or chapter 40, chapter but 40. also in 41, verse 16 in, in chapter 41 is a very interesting one because. It speaks in the future tense. Ah! Up, up until that point, Leviathan, is, uh, he, he gives a description. It's basically a fire-breathing dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his body is like molten shields, shut up close with scales pressing upon another. One is joined to another, not so, not so much as any air can come between them. They stick one to another and they hold one another fast and shall not be separated. His sneezing is like the shining of fire and his eyes like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go forth lamps like torches of lighted fires. Out of his nostrils goeth smoke. So all of this is in the present tense, right? Right. And then verse 16. When he shall raise him up, the angels shall fear and being affrighted shall purify themselves. When he shall raise him up, when who shall raise him up? Mm. Who are we talking
0: about? Yeah, who are we talking about? Uh,
1: When a sword shall lay at him, it shall not be able to hold, nor a spear, nor a breastplate. So here now we're talking in the future tense. Um, What's also interesting is that this whole chapter starts with a question. I will not stir stir him up like one that is cruel, For who can resist my countenance? So, Leviathan's not going to be stirred up by God. It's going to be stirred up by someone else. So, I will not stir him up like one that is cruel. But then verse 16, When he shall raise him up, the angels shall fear, and being affrighted shall purify themselves. Do you realize that in the legend of... Thor, and I'm not talking about Marvel's Thor. (laughs) I'm talking about the the, uh, myth of Thor from Norse mythology. There is a creature called the Midgard Serpent. Yes. And the Midgard Serpent is this giant serpent, a Leviathan, that encircles the globe and is biting its own tail, waiting for, wait for this... Thor to stir him up and draw him out of the ocean, which will bring about the end of the world. So, we're talking about a demon, Mm -hmm. Thor, raising up Leviathan, a demon, to bring about the end of the world. So, you know, we start thinking in terms of prophecy and Judas and I mean, the whole Judas thing that you brought up is very intriguing, uh, mostly because this idea that there is a false church operating within the church. St. Paul wrote about this in, in, uh, third, in the third chapter of his, his letter to the Philippians. The, okay. He said, Be ye followers of me, brethren, and observe them who walk so as to have our model. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. So, already he's talking about this false church, and there are a couple of other portions in in um, the New Testament where there's mention of false prophets and and people who are walking around amongst the uh, the brethren, amongst the the believers, who are perverting the scriptures, who are perverting the ideas of the church. And this idea of there being a Judas church, I think it has merit. I don't know that it's a spy novel level thing. <laughs> And I don't know that there's any kind of prophecy attached to the 30 pieces of silver. However, um, that doesn't mean that they don't believe it.
0: But the fact that there is it now, now, again, the priests that are the henchmen of the cardinal who serves the Holy Father in this. These are priests. Uh-huh. They walk around in cassocks. <laughs> They're sure. all over the Vatican archives. Oh, okay, one uh, 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 a final thing about this and about Our Lady's triumph is uh, I listened with great great interest. I said I was going to post this yesterday, I didn't, but I, I promise I'll get it up today. Uh, Saturday was feast day of Saint Charles Borromeo. And I didn't know anything of the history of St. Charles Boromero, of his life. I mean, I knew who he was. And we were listening to the, uh, uh, to the, uh, the sermon about the life of St. Charles Borromeo, And the biographer was recalling just when St. Charles Borromeo went as the Bishop of Milan, or as the Archbishop of Milan. He went there, and he was shocked by what he saw. And there was a description of, of how the priests were, were behaving in those days. And this has been in like 1562 or somewhere up in there. And he was describing that the priests weren't wearing priestly garb any longer, that they were running around in lay people clothes, and they were, they were brandishing weapons and firearms, and they were seen proudly entering, entering and leaving houses of ill repute. Uh Uh, They didn't know how to hear, many of the priests didn't know how to hear confessions, and they pretty much existed to just uh, conduct uh, some form of a mass every week so they could basically fleece the population for the uh, uh, for the collection plate. And then the biographer says, you know, of course, you know, as the priests go, you know, the laity are under them, you know, the laity go even worse. So Milan, now this is in the, in, in the 1560s, around the, count, the time of the Council of Trent, is an absolute moral and Catholic basket case, a horror show. Yep kind of what we're seeing today in some places. But and Saint
1: John Ch- currently is the seatbed of of uh, or it's a hotbed of Freemasonry within the church, and ecclesiastical that is Freemasonry. Isn't
0: that interesting? But here's the the the, now, the the encouraging thing is that a saint, one Charles Borromeo who was his cousin was it or is it his uncle was Pius IV. I want to say his uncle was Pius IV, okay. um, and he made, and, his, and his uncle. I want to say made him a, a made him a cardinal. See, he participated in, in the selection of his holy Saint Pope Pius V. But Charles Borromeo made it his business to reform Milan. Yeah. And in a space of like 5 or 6 years he did. And he and he let it be known to all the faithful there he would visit every church in his diocese. Some yep. that he could ride horses to. Some he had to walk to. He couldn't get there. They didn't have carriages. that could get there. Um, so we often think in terms of these things that you know the reform's going to take uh, generations or, or centuries and all that. Well, Saint Charles Borromeo got Milan back up and pursuing holiness in a matter of a half a decade.
1: Yep. So if it's you not, had, it's had, not impossible. Right, so,
0: <laughs> right. Well, you need to say, but. You know, you <laughs> had to have someone who's going to be a future saint. Who is? But you a- know
1: what? Yeah, we we need a saint to do it. But it's not hard to be a saint either.
0: No, today, no, not very difficult at all, is it?
1: Well, in any age, it's not hard to be a saint because if you understand that life is about salvation. Once you make that your your understanding that everything that you do in this life is about salvation, mm-hmm. and that if you love God. And you want to be with God in the next life, then everything that you do will be reflective of that, which means avoiding sin and doing good and making God the center of all of it. You know, bearing pati- or bearing wrongs with patience, uh, having forbearance. You know, it's all of those, all the practice of the virtues. It can be difficult at times because our emotions get in the way, but it t- and it takes practice. But once you make your central idea salvation, well, then everything else falls into place. Becoming a saint is not difficult. it's not uh, it's not complicated. Mm-hmm. It can be hard, but it's not complicated. And we can all become saints. and if we <laughs> if we all strove to be saints, then hopefully we would have that saintly bishop or cardinal who would then lead. Finding a a saintly leader is what's really hard. There you go.
0: Well, we'll keep working at it. Uh, I I wait for you to lead. Oh, thanks. (laughs) No pressure or anything.